We are so excited to have you here today on this special Sunday called Easter Sunday. This is probably one of the most important days in a church's life, in a Christian's life, and we are so glad that you wanted to join with us today. If you're streaming online, a very special welcome with you. If you're listening to the podcast as well, we're so glad that you're here with us, and we hope that you will feel as encouraged and as blessed as we do, even with the team that is here at our building today. Um, many of you are streaming across the city, across the country, across the state, and even from other countries. And it's amazing how we're able to be blended and brought together under one, one, and, and un, under one way of doing this. And we can feel like a family, regardless of how far apart that we are. If you are online with us, we just ask that you would Sign into the chat box on our website, northwestorlando.com. That's northwestorlando.com. You can watch the, the full live stream there. And we have a chat box there because we have online pastors right now that would love to connect with you. We'd love to speak with you. We'd love to get to know you, want to hear from you. And we would love to pray with you as well. If you're on Facebook, you can also comment there as well. And we would love to chat with you. That's what we're here for. If this is your first time joining with us, a very, very special welcome to you. We are so glad you wanted to join with us. We are a church that wants to live life to the full as Christ has taught us to. Now, before we get into today's teaching, last week was a crazy week for us as a church. Why so? Well, we have been putting a whole process, a whole initiative together called Go Big. We bought a whole bunch of land in the northwest part of Orlando and we're getting ready to try and build our new building there because we could see that God has called us to do greater and to do more things and to reach more people. And last week we had culminated this whole Go Big uh, initiative to the, to the level where we were trying to now bring everyone together and we were going to make our financial commitments for the next two years and we had put the service together. We had, the teams had put so much effort into planning. In fact, and then we got kind of, we got, we kind of got pushed off to the side with coronavirus and now we couldn't collect ourselves all together in one room. We're like, that's not a problem. We'll all just do a, a live stream and then we'll ask everybody to go live online and say, I'm all in. I'm committed to raising the money for the next two years. And just as we were about to do that, the power went out. It was a crazy day. But wow, do we have some of the most committed people ever. Not only did the team here get us back up online, but all of you stayed with us. If you missed out on that opportunity, I would ask that you would actually go to northwestorlando.com forward slash commit. Now that's where the online form is. Now maybe you you uh, you, you got the glitch. Maybe you uh, didn't see that there was uh, that you know we, that we didn't actually come back online. And we're asking you to actually be committed to it still. Don't be derailed and don't 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 be derailed and don't be delayed. But be committed to it still. Go to that online form and fill out your form as well. It really helps us to be able to see what we can plan for and what we can go towards. So if, would you do that for me? I'd really appreciate that. May God bless you in that. Today's teaching is actually going to be a completely different teaching than what I have been planning for since the beginning of this year. Today's teaching was not was going to be completely different. And we actually had the dance studio. We have a full-time dance studio here. And they were actually going to be doing this phenomenal performance for you. But because we can't gather together, because we can't, we have, you know, have social distancing and they can't actually gather together to do the performance, we're going to keep that performance for some other time because what they put together was absolutely phenomenal. 
But because of everything that's happening, I could feel a shift in my own heart of what I should talk about today. And today I want to talk about a very Old Testament word, a very old fashioned word, and it's called Passover. Now, of course, if you're Jewish or, uh, or, or you've ever been raised up in church, you may have already heard that type of word before, but it's an old fashioned word called Passover. Now, one thing I'm going to ask you to do before I really get into this teaching, if you could take the time to go find something to drink or something to eat together at the end of this teaching, I actually want us to actually take communion together at the end of this teaching. Now, usually that's usually some sort of cracker or bread and some wine or some, or some grape juice. Now, to be fair, maybe, you, maybe I've thrown this on you and you don't have any wine or grape juice in your house right now. That's fine. It doesn't matter so much exactly what it is that you're bringing, but bring something of, even if it's water or it's juice and it's some, some sort of bread or, or something, something that we can take together in, 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 a, in a recognition of the body of Christ in a thing that we as church called communion. And maybe many of you have experienced that or you've learned about it before. But communion is something I want to do at the end of this teaching. So you can take a few seconds and see if you can find that now. Let's start with our teaching today. Today I want to read from an Old Testament scripture. And then I'm going to actually flip all the way over to a New Testament scripture. And it's going to be a little weird, but stick with me. Hopefully I'll be able to explain this as properly as I can. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It should come up on your screen, but if you want to get get it on your own phone or some of that, you can look it up as well. But Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now, here's the background from this scripture. This background is where the Jews were under slavery in Egypt, under Pharaoh. Now, we know that when they were under slavery, they cried out to God and said, God, please send us a savior. Send us someone who can take us and free us from these bondages and take us into freedom. And then of course, God sent Charlton Heston to say, let my people go. Otherwise known as Moses. I'm I'm sorry, that's an old fashioned joke there. Maybe some of you don't know who Charlton, uh, Charlton Heston is, but Moses came to the people and said, God has said, let my people go. And he told that to Pharaoh. Now here's the problem. Pharaoh said, no. She, he said, no, 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 I won't go. I won't let you go. And he kept resisting God and resisting God. And so God sent these different plagues. There was like frogs, there was gnats, there was boils, there was hail, there was locusts. There was 10 different plagues. Now we're going to read about this last plague. The last plague that God sent that finally made Pharaoh relent and let the Jews go. And this is what we're going to read. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 12. And it says this, tell the whole community, this was his instructions to Moses, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community Israel must slaughter them at twilight. This is very clear instructions. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides 
and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down, watch there now, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Now, I get it. This is a strange story. Now, even today, the Jews, or practicing Jews at least, they still celebrate this, what they call Passover meal. This is when God said that he will pass over those that are enslaved. He will pass over those, the angel of death will pass over them if they followed his instruction. Now, the interesting thing, I was speaking with someone today and, and, I, you know, and, and she said something that was really interesting. She said, do you realize that everybody and anybody who recently passed, really, sorry, recently celebrated Passover that just happened this last week, every one of them was in their own home because of the quarantine. That may be the first time in living memory that we have ever, ever seen every person celebrate Passover in their own home, exactly how we have just read that the Jews did as well. Now, what does this all mean? What is happening here? Well, you see, God had a plan. We already talked about this for the last six weeks when we we're talking about how Abraham was the first human who, who was found to, to be trustworthy enough with God to, to follow the plan of God, that God would bring blessing to the nations through one man, through his children, through his offspring, through the nation that would come from him. And this is what it talks about in the Old Testament. And, and of course, the Israelites then, they grew up under the, 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 the Egyptians and they became actually enslaved by them. But you see, the problem was that as God was trying to fulfill this plan of blessing, the Egyptians, Pharaoh, stood in their way. And so God gave this very clear instructions to them where he said, I want you to take a lamb and I want you to put blood over the top of your doors and on the, on the posts of your doors as well. And of course, I haven't brought a lamb as a demonstration to do that because that would really get kind of weird right now, wouldn't it, for me to, to, to be able to do that. But he said to put this blood over the top of your doors and on the posts of your doors as well. Why? Why would he have to do that? I know this seems like a weird story, but you see... Everybody that gets passed over by the judgment of God must be protected by something. Why must they get protected by something? Well, this is where I hope to explain why there had to be blood on the door. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to, I'm going to now go from this story all the way to the New Testament story that I've just told you I want to talk about. And we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 14. And stay with me here. Mark chapter 14, beginning at, at verse 12. Now, this is important because we have just gone from 4,000 years ago talking about a story with the Jews in Egypt and uh, having to kill a lamb and put blood on the, on the post. Now we're actually skipping up to 2,000 years later 
or 2,000 years ago for us when Jesus was about to go to the cross. And this is the thing that, that, that everything in Christianity really pivots on. Everything about Christians and their faith really hangs on is what Jesus did on the cross. And we're going to be reading again from Mark chapter 14, verses 12. And it says this, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, you see there, the Jews were still celebrating this feast because God told them to remember how they were passed over for judgment. Let me read it again. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? They were expecting that Jesus would eat the Passover. This was something that everybody in those days did together. And then it continues on. We're going to skip a few verses and it says this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Now, if you've ever grown up in church, you know what we're talking about. When we take the bread and we take the wine, this is where it comes from. When Jesus was with his disciples before he was about to go to the cross and he said, take this bread, this is my body. It's a symbol of my body, it is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. Then he said this, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. Let me say it again. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Now, this seems like maybe a peculiar story for if you've never grown up in, in, in church whatsoever. But if you've grown up in church, this is a, a very common uh, scripture that we often read. What is happening here? Well, there are three characters in play in this story. And I want to go through each one of these characters in order for us to understand this. The first one is this. There is a judge who is handing out punishment. How do we know that there's a judge handing out punishment? Because in Mark 14 that we just read, Mark 14 verse 22, it says that while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, who is it that he is giving thanks to? Well, we know this. He was giving thanks to the Father. Why would he give thanks to the Father? Listen, this wasn't, this wasn't just a, this wasn't a thanksgiving meal, right? This wasn't just a, oh, we're so grateful to have food. Oh, we're just so thankful, Lord, that you've got many, many people will pray over their food and they're thanking God for the food. But when Jesus was praying here, he was praying for the Passover. He was giving thanks because he was giving thanks that judgment hadn't come to them. Remember the Passover story that we just talked about where the Jews had a judgment that was coming upon them and they put the blood over the lintel and over the post of the door. They were saying, thank you, God, for bypassing us, for saving us, for not bringing judgment to our door. Why is God a judge? Why would a loving God want to bring judgment to us? Well, to be a good and righteous God he must do away with corruption. He must do away with that that destroys us or destroys his kingdom. 
It would seem odd that, that God's just a loving God. Surely he's a very uh, Santa Claus, grandfatherly type of person that just, you know, pulls everybody in and hugs them tight and strong. No, God is also a judge that must get rid of the thing that is actually killing us. We've actually got, you know, one of our, one of our members at, at Northwest, he just lost his father recently. And I, I had the privilege of speaking to his father. His father just found out about three weeks ago that, that he had actually gotten a pretty bad cancer and he was, a, and he was about to go into a, a surgery to try and get some of it removed. And it was either chemotherapy or radio, radiotherapy that he went through. And, and I got the chance to, to pray with him over the phone. His family couldn't come to see him because he was in quarantine. And I got to, to, to pray with him over the phone. And just a few days later, he was dead. Why was he dead? Because that's the power of cancer. I know exactly what that's like because my father died horribly of cancer too. And I hate cancer. But that's exactly what sin is like. It's like a cancer, just a small amount. Just a small amount can take over your entire body. And that's why God must get rid of sin because just a small amount of sin takes over your entire life. It brings in death. Everybody must be rooted out. Everybody's sin must be taken away. God must be like the surgeon that is the judge to say that part must be taken away. That's why God is a judge. But the second character that is in play here in this story are the disciples. That's the disciples. That's the ones that were actually to be judged themselves. Now you might have the question of, well, weren't they good people? Weren't the disciples good people? I mean, they literally laid down their life to follow Christ. They gave everything they've got. I mean, they're the most famous people in, in the New Testament here. Those are the ones that were the first Christians. Surely they were good people. But you see, the Bible says that everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has fallen short of that glory. In Romans, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is when you break a law. It's a moral code that you have broken. It's an agreement that you have broken. Listen, I can do a test on this. I can do a litmus test with you on this one. It's really simple. Have you ever lied before? I know I have. So I'm obviously, I've committed sin, so I'm a sinner. So I now have corruption in my life. Have you ever stolen anything before? Yep, I have. I've done that. Jesus said, if you have ever had such hatred and anger in your heart towards someone, you wanted them to die, then you might as well have committed the sin of murder itself. In fact, you have committed the sin of murder. So, so I have had that. So then I'm a murderer. Jesus even said that if you look at a woman or a man in such a way that you lust in your heart, then you might as well have, have committed adultery with them. You have actually done that. You've committed it in your heart. You might as well have committed it in the flesh as well. And if these things are true about you, then you're a lying, thieving, murderous cheat. Oh, that's good news for Sunday morning, isn't it? Who wants to go to church and be told that they're a lying, thieving, murderous cheat? But you see, where we stumble is we think that we are good enough and can't be judged. But according to the scripture, that's not true. This is why the Jews needed blood over their door. Because when the angel of death, when the angel of judgment was coming on the land to judge the Pharaoh and the Egyptians, 
even the Jews would be under that judgment too because they weren't righteous enough. They weren't good enough. They weren't uncorrupt. They had been corrupted themselves in their own lives because the scripture tells us that every one of us has been corrupted. And so therefore, they had to have something that would protect them from that judgment because they deserved judgment too. Now here's the third person that is in this story, the third character that's in play here. And the third one is Jesus himself, who identifies himself as the Passover lamb. He's saying this, when he was giving them the bread and he was giving them the wine, when he was giving them the sacraments, as we call it, when he was giving them communion, as we call it, he's saying, somebody has to pay a price. Someone has to be the blood. Someone has to be the, 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 the final thing because a lamb's blood is not gonna last long. We need eternal blood that can actually last forever, that can protect us from the judgment that we not only need from all our past sins, but even from our future sins. Because I know this, there's a good chance I'm going to keep messing up. There's a good chance I'm still going to be falling apart. And a lamb's blood is not going to last forever. We need eternal blood. And what Jesus was saying is, I'm the final Passover lamb. Now, how does that work? Well, there are two things that you have to understand about what is right and fair. There are two things you have to understand about what we call righteousness. The first one is this. A fair God cannot just forgive sin. Wait a second. I thought you've been telling us for years, Peter, that, 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 that God is a loving God and he's a forgiving God. Yes, that's true. But he cannot just forgive sin. You see, evil must be banished. Justice must rule. It's not fair to let someone off with just breaking a law. If we did have that in our culture, then we would just have anarchy. Years ago when I was at, at college, I, uh, I had no money. I was living in the worst part of town and I was just trying to survive off of the money I had to get through college. And, and the Bible college was miles from me. It was, I don't know, it was about three or four miles, however long it was away from me. And so I had a bicycle in order to get to, to, to college. And, and that's how I got to college through, through sunshine, through rain, through snow. That's how I got to college. And one day I got there and I got to college and I, I locked up my bike outside of the college and I went into the, into the college. And at the end of the day, about, about nine o'clock at night, I was finished with the day and, and, and I was walking out. Uh, to, to, to get my bicycle and I noticed my bicycle had gone. What do you think had happened? It had just disappeared into the air. Maybe some pixies or fairies came along and carried it off somewhere. I'll tell you what took away. Sticky hands took my bike away. And I could tell because my chain had been broken, had been chopped up and it was now lying on the ground. So I went back in the Bible college and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh, man, I lost my, that was my only mode of transportation. I couldn't afford buses or taxis. It certainly didn't have a car. I'm like, how am I going to get home? And this anger started to rise up in me. And I can't believe somebody stole my bike. This justice rose up inside of me. You know exactly what that emotion is. When you feel when there's something wrong has been done, or when, a, when, a when a law has been broken against you, you feel that justice rise up inside of you. When I was there in, my, in, the, in the college, my friend came up to me. He's like, hey, buddy, what's going on? You, you're, not, you're not looking too happy. And I said, ah, oh, someone just stole my bike. And he's like, oh, was that the white bike outside? And I said, yeah, yeah, the white bike. I said, do you know who took it? 
And he goes, yeah, there was this guy that came along and, and, and he, 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 was, he was stealing his, stealing your bike. He was trying to chop the chain. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you can't do that. Get out of here. And I'm like, what did you do? And he goes, well, nothing, because he already left. And I'm like, he came back and he stole my bike. Now, I was feeling mad because someone was paying the price. It wasn't the thief that was paying the price. It wasn't my friend that was paying the price. It wasn't the police that was paying the price. It was me that was paying the price. Why? Because now I had to walk for three to four miles to try and get back and forward to college. And I couldn't afford another bike. You see, there is a, a demand for justice inside of ourselves. There's a demand that something has to be set right. God can't just forgive sin. Something has to be set right. And someone or something is going to pay a price for whatever sin is being, being committed. I'm the one who paid the price for losing my bike. Now, if we are the ones who've committed the sin, then we're the ones who have to pay the price. But here's the thing. God came along his son and said, I will pay the price for you. Here's the good news about righteousness is that a fair God cannot punish the innocent. You see, even though Jesus came along and he died on a cross and he became the blood over our lintel, even though he became the blood that saved us in our household, that our house was now free to live in freedom. Everybody that is in my household, everything that is under my covering, it says your animals, your, your home is covered by this blood that goes over the lintel. Jesus is the one who said, I want to be the eternal blood that is the protection for the judgment that should come upon you. You follow me from this? This is exciting stuff. Because see, when I was a child, when I was growing up, I, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, so I'm kind of used to hearing all this, this, this type of language about Passover and the blood and all that type of thing. And I remember my mother saying this to me. She goes, she would say this often. She would say, we're under the blood of Christ. We're under the blood of Christ. Now, when you're a five-year-old and you're a child, you're like, that sounds terrible. It sounds like, you know, when you've got blood going on, and surely we need a medic here. We need a Band-Aid. Why are we talking about blood everywhere? But to Christians, the blood of Christ is precious because we're thanking God that we didn't get judged, that we didn't receive the judgment that should have been upon us. And that's why God, that's why I believe that Christians should live differently. Christians live differently. They even die differently because they know what they should have deserved. And yet they're now living in this joy of knowing I have been freed when I didn't deserve it. The question I've got for you is, are you in that place yourself? You see, God will never force this upon you. He gives you the option to decide whether you choose what Jesus has done for you, or you can actually reject it if you want. You see, God is not the type of person that is going to force these things on us, that even though he paid, listen now, even though Jesus paid the bill for you, you don't have to receive it. Hell is just a place for people who have decided to pay their own bill. It's a choice. It's a decision we make. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want us to actually take some communion. But before we do it, I'd be remiss if I didn't actually put this, this, this opportunity out. That if you are in the position 
where you would like to receive Christ. You've never done this before. I'm going to pray for you. And, I, and as I pray for you, I want you just to repeat this very short, small prayer with me at home, even in your own heart, wherever you are. Just say after me in order to be in this position to receive the eternal power of the blood of Christ. Repeat after me, Father in heaven, I thank you for the gift of your son and how what he has done on the cross forgives my sin. I repent and I ask for your forgiveness and I pray that you would receive me into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. And if you said that prayer for the first time, I'm gonna ask you, gonna ask you to tell us. Put it on the chat box, put it in the Facebook uh, 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 chat stream. Whatever it is, reach out to us and let us know that you have, you've become a part of us. And all I can say is congratulations that you've become a part of us. You've become a part of the kingdom of God. It's a very, very simple thing. Now is the day for you to live out that life to the full because you're now under the covering, the eternal protection of Jesus Christ. And so if you're at home with us right now and you're in the, in the position where you can actually take communion, I want to take it with you right now. Jesus said that when he was with his disciples, he said, take this bread, take it. And he said, he thanked God for the judgment that was now no longer going to be upon us. He said, this bread is my body. Eat it and receive it. Just as the Israelites in the Old Testament, just as the Jews in the Old Testament, they had to eat the whole lamb to receive the fullness of what Jesus was doing. For them, we do the same. We take the body of Christ. And now we take the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ that was shed for us on the cross. It was shed for us as a protection for us that the price that should have been paid, that we should have paid, he decided to pay for us. His life was taken to root out sin. And the beautiful thing is, this is not just a one-time thing that only lasts for the one sin that I've actually committed today. It's in a one-time thing that lasts eternally. It's the beauty of the, the, the blood of the lamb, as my, my mother used to say, and that we are under this blood. Father, we want to thank you that you gave us your son. Jesus, we thank you that you decided to be the one who gave us this eternal protection. And so we take it now in the name of Jesus. The great news is, the Bible says that death could not hold Christ down because he was innocent, because he was the one who did not deserve any death. And because he died, he was able to take the power of death and he was able to control it. And when he raised, when he raised from the dead on the third day, he came to bring us life. So we don't just have our sins forgiven. We now have the freedom to live life and life to the full. How exciting is that? As we end today, I just want to pray for you and thank you for being here today. Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful day that we have, that we are under the blood of Christ. 
But even any diseases that comes our way, we just pray, Father, I know fine well that we're not promised that challenges and difficulties will not come our way. We know that challenges and difficulties will come our way regardless of what sickness comes our way, regardless of what difficulty comes our way. We want to say thank you that we are under the blood of Christ. The judgment that should be upon us is now no longer upon us. And I pray for every person who's at home right now. I pray that your home will be under the blood of Christ. That every disease, every infliction, every, every virus, Lord, will not be able to come upon those who call upon the eternal protecting blood of Christ. In the name of Jesus, may you be protected. May you be saved. May you be filled with the Spirit. We ask this in your precious Son's name. And all God's people said, Amen. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Pastor Dave, please. Thank you for joining us on this amazing Easter. He is risen. Now, we want to connect with you during the week. Don't forget, small groups are meeting virtually all throughout the week. Check it out on our website, northwestorlando.com. We'll love you and we'll see you next week.